The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, folks, it's come to this. The last week of the NBA regular season, the play-in tournament awaits next week. And then, I don't know, I guess that's technically playoffs. I don't know what they're counting that as. I think, I believe it's playoffs because you look at the, look at baseball and if there's a tie, game 163 is actually technically part of the regular season. This, I believe, is a playoff or two playoff games. Doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. But we're coming down the wire now. We got seven days left. We got five shows left during the regular season. But of course, we will go through the offseason. I'll continue to plead with you guys to not tune out the podcast during the offseason for a couple of reasons. Number one, we got really good stuff for you guys to check in on with us. Namely, we'll be doing season in review type things. We'll do re- really early ranking boards, free agency stuff, team by team breakdowns. And number two, Uh, That's how we keep the advertisers happy so that we can continue to do this show for free five days a week forever. So we all work together to get to this end point. And with that, I say hello. Good Monday to you all. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whenever the hell you're listening to the podcast. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan for Hoop from Hoopball and look at whatever one pops up, whatever search result is a Twitter feed. Definitely do give me a follow over there. This is the time of the year where fantasy analysts tend to lose a couple of followers where people are like, all right, I don't want to hear from this guy for the next couple of months. I don't know, maybe I should just stop doing stuff. You guys will forget that you're following me until basketball is back in your mind again. Ah, guy pointing at head gif is what I'm thinking over here as I say that out loud. Ho, ho, ho. Well, anyway, here's where we're at. A handful of you guys are in head-to-head leagues that actually go to the end of the regular season. You guys are maniacs, but I'm aware that you exist, so we're not going to completely ignore you. The rest of you that are still listening to this podcast are either basketball junkies whose seasons have already ended, and you're listening to me break down players here the final week, which, I mean, even... Even for degenerates, that's a little crazy. Or Roto guys, Roto guys and gals, I should say. Roto players that are still paying attention this final week, still jockeying for that last point or two in their Roto league where things are, you know, it's funny. They're closer than they appear at times. I know, uh, well, I'm kind of blitzing two of my three cash Roto leagues, and that's cool. Uh, in my keeper roto league, I'm two, three points back of the guy in front of me, and it is very much undecided. I'm four assists back of that dude. Four. So a lot can change in a matter of moments. And so I would advise you, roto folk, to do what I mentioned at the end of our Friday podcast, which is look to see who's in front of you and who's behind you by three spots in every counting statistical category. Threes, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and turnovers. Look who's ahead of you and who's behind you. Three slots. And the percentages, it's fine. I mean, I don't care how far in front and and back you go. Those are much easier to calculate because you don't have to worry about games played. They just sort of are what they are at face value. The other stuff is a little more confusing because you might run into some teams in your league that have actually just run out of games already. They might have used them all up. You might have other teams that are so far down in games played, they almost have no shot of actually 
getting the correct number of uh, of games the rest of the way. Like I, I I can spot a team that's not fully eliminated that still has like eighty five games to use and seven days to do it. It's not going to happen. The best case scenario right now for most leagues is seventy games. You can't get more than 70 games left the rest of the way. So those teams are going to come up short. So be aware. If you're looking at those teams and they go, oh, well, maybe they'll track me down in this one particular category, it's also quite conceivable they won't because you might get 15, 20 more games played than that team this year. And I'll admit, you know, as a commissioner of a lot of these leagues, I like to set the Roto games cap a little bit above one game per position we go some fairly deep benches, and so that way the bench is actually somewhat relevant. You really It's 10 starting slots, but you're really going 11, 12 players deep over the course of the season. Because of how many injuries and COVID stuffs and rest days were happening this year, we probably should have aimed a little bit lower. That said, most of the teams are probably going to hit the mark, so people figured it out. So it's not that crazy. Uh, here's the plan for today. It's Monday, by the way, which means that we, uh, need to tell you about Manscaped at some point on today's podcast, and I'm very happy to do that. We've got a weekend in review to cover, which will be our last chronological lightning round reverse, sorry, weekend of this NBA season. We'll fire that back up next season again, and then by the the time next Monday comes around, we'll be season in reviewing Maybe we'll talk about something that happened over the weekend. Really, it'll be isolating anything big that happened over the weekend. That's next weekend I'm talking about. And then we'll segue into biggest lessons learned from a season gone by. We'll spend some time on those. We'll spend some time on how different teams did. And I actually think it's really important to get an idea of what a team is looking to do going forward. Because that played a big role in how players did down the stretch this year. Oklahoma City resting all of their key guys. Pistons resting all of their key guys. We have to be aware of these things. What are what's a team trying to accomplish and how does that factor into how we draft these guys? But we're getting ahead of ourselves, getting ahead of ourselves. Um let's do, let's dive into the weekend in review. We'll start that stuff and then we'll pivot to whatever else we need to cover on today's podcast. As news goes, there's always something right now. And so I know during the regular season, we normally do big news at the front end of the show. Uh, but in terms of like what's come out so far this morning that might move the needle, well, the Cavaliers are basically without most of their roster. And it seems like the Pels are going to continue to be without most of their guys. But we'll cover that as we go through the weekend in review, talk about each team one by one, starting with the first one on Sunday. That was Miami in Boston. This one going way over the total. Not a whole lot of defense being played, in particular by the Celtics early. They were getting run at halftime, but they did make it a ball game, so that's something. The Time Lord, Robert Williams, dealing with turf toe. He made it 12 minutes into this ball game before tapping out for the duration. That makes Tristan Thompson a very interesting rebound-only specialist going forward. Jalen Brown missed that ball game, and so Evan Fournier took his spot and shots, and Fournier was very good for Boston. Actually, he has been pretty good. When filling in for Jalen Brown, when he hasn't been good is when he's been behind Brown and Tatum, and the usage tends to go down into the toilet. But again, we're talking everything short-term at this point. I mentioned on Friday's show that everybody plays the final Sunday. So again, if you're in a head-to-head league, don't be bashful about using your moves earlier in the week, since whatever you do, you're going to have your whole team playing on Sunday. 
Over on the Miami side, Trevor Ariza has been excellent of late. Really excellent. He's every once in a while he'll he'll fall into a game where Andre Iguodala outplays him or something to that effect. But for the most part, he's actually been a really really useful nine cat roto type of guy. Top sixty over the last two weeks in thirty minutes a game. He's averaging thirteen five and two with almost two steals, almost a block, forty seven percent from the field, two three pointers, and only one turnover. And I see no reason why that won't continue for Trevor. He's getting big minutes on this team. They like him as their power forward. He's a stretch four who looks rested because he didn't play most of the year. And his job is relatively secure, even with Iguodala waiting in the wings most games. Where things get a little bit goofy in Miami is trying to figure out which of the shooting guards and point guards are actually going to excel on a nightly basis. And in this one, on Sunday, it was Duncan Robinson. He had six three-pointers. He was hot. So he soaked up most of the minutes there. Kendrick Nunn was fine, but less hot. And so Goran Dragic ended up getting more of his minutes. And those guys are going to split things uh, many nights. And there will be nights when those two guys are actually decent and Duncan Robinson takes the slight hit. So with Miami, it's, it's really about isolating categories there. If you need threes, you go Robinson. If you need points, you go Nunn. Uh, who's a better foul shooter. If you need Dragic, that's a little bit more scoring and assists, but worse percentages and just mix and match as you see fit. The Knicks beat the Clippers 106-100, and I don't know that I've ever seen a team as bad in day games as the LA Clippers. And I don't mean that from a like win-loss perspective. I mean that really from a how do they look compared to what they do on a night game. The Clippers are the ultimate in day game drop-off. And I don't have the uh, numbers in front of me, so I'm making this bold claim. But pretty much every Sunday day game I've watched them play, they've been awful. And they were bad again in this one. Couldn't get the shot to go. Kawhi Leonard is seemingly still kind of trying to get his footing after this pun partially intended, I guess. Sore foot he's come back from. Since his return, Kawhi and PG are really the only trustworthy Clippers. Zubots, generally, you can flip in there. Things didn't go so great for him in this ball game. They went to a smaller lineup. Marcus Morris, much better when Kawhi or PG is out. Rajon Rondo, more of an assists specialist. Reggie Jackson, not really anything of a specialist. If you're going to go to anyone beyond those main three, Kawhi, uh, PG, and Zubots, who I'm including in the main three just because he's sort of safely in your fantasy lineups, the fourth guy would probably be Marcus Morris, generally because he's just been a very good three-point shooter this year. Not usually as bad at the foul line as he was yesterday. He's done a good job of being a big man who can space the floor, rebound a little bit, and hit a bunch of threes without hurting your percentages very much. But he's a... I mean, you're flipping a coin at that point. On the Knicks side, Reggie Bullock just continues to have a really nice run. Derek Rose has been excellent. He has completely commandeered the other scorer role on this team. Knicks, uh, that they won with Julius Randle having a fairly pedestrian offensive game is another feather in the cap of a team that just plays their butts off every night. Nerlens Noel, uh, he's your starting center. I know that Taj actually, you could argue, maybe had a slightly better ball game here, but Noel playing 26 minutes, Taj 22. Nerlens is your guy. Uh, if you really wanted to stream for some big man stats and a big man that doesn't hurt you really in free throws, you could throw Taj into a lineup but you won't get much. It's a super low ceiling, not even all that high of a floor kind of guy. Dallas whipped Cleveland. Luka Doncic got ejected for kind of taking a shot at Colin Sexton, who hip-checked him, and then Doncic swung at Colin. Not like a, a punch swing, but like, a, hey, you hip-checked me, and he turned and kind of whipped his arm and hit Colin 
near the you-know-whats. I'm not on a baseball broadcast. I can say it. Kind of hit him in the balls. Uh, so Luca got kicked out. And if he is assessed a technical, which I presume kind of comes with the flagrant two, I'm forgetting the rules on that one, then he would actually be suspended for a ball game. And that doesn't mean nothing. Because, and as we'll get to in a moment, the Lakers won their ball game. The Mavs are a game up on the Blazers for the five. The, Lake, the Blazers are a game up on the Lakers for the six. So there is a sprint to get out of the play-in tournament happening. And if Luka misses a game and the Mavs then go on and lose, they're, in, they're at Memphis tomorrow. That's a losable game without Luka on the floor. Love to, Maybe they'll appeal it and try to get him to miss the game against the Pelicans or Raptors. They'll probably win those anyway. Uh, Mavs do have a relatively easy schedule by all accounts. Grizzlies, Pelicans, Raptors, Wolves. Well, Minnesota's actually playing better these days. So they'll probably dodge the play-in, but it's it exists. This is this is a situation. It's funny to me that the and I, I don't know why this this jumps out at me every single time. The uh the seventh seed in the West is thirty eight and thirty. Seven seed in the East. Well, the Celtics are the seven seed, 35 and 33. Eight seed is two games under 500 in the Eastern Conference. You don't get under 500 until you get to the 10 seed. I guess you could say there's a tiny bit more parity this year. A little bit, right? Some of it injury-related, but whatever. You know, Nets stockpiled superstars. Bucks are good. Sixers are good. It's not quite as lopsided. Not quite. So, um, you know, as you look at the Mavs and assume that Luke is going to get run... I think we should probably be picking up Jalen Brunson. Like, just get out in front of it right now. Add him pretty much everywhere, assuming he's going to start and play Mondo minutes in that ball game tomorrow in Memphis. And uh, get what you can out of it. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been in the starting lineup lately, so he's been playing better. You can roll him out there anyway. Dwight Powell's been playing very well with no Maxi Kleba and no Kristaps Porzingis, and assuming those guys are still out, I would roll Powell into the lineup as well against a Grizzlies team that loves to play very high-scoring games. And it's nice to get a little bit of a warning like this, too. Jalen Brunson, have at it. You know, good percentages kind of guy. Generally not much in the assists or, or sorry, in the uh, steals or blocks department, but Listen, if you're, if you're going to get high-usage Jalen Brunson for 30-some-odd minutes, then I think you run with it. Luka was kicked in the third quarter of this ball game, but it was a massive blowout, so we didn't get a great look at who would actually get the minutes, but historically it's been Brunson. Cleveland, uh, not good right now. Not good, Bob. They're uh, without Darius Garland. They're without Jetty Osman, who slid into those that backup, backup role, and now they're like backup to the backup to the backup at this point. So Dean Wade's been starting... Uh, Isaac Okoro sliding down to play shooting guard. It's just ugly. Colin Sexton is basically the only Cav I think I feel good about right now. I'll probably start Kevin Love, too, if given the opportunity. Jared Allen, you kind of have to, even though he's more or less mailed it in. But Okoro doesn't have the fantasy game yet. And then Dean Wade would be the other one where you're like, well, maybe he'll get a whole bunch of three-pointers up. But dude played 29 minutes in that game on Sunday and took four shots. Usage rate under nine. I won't get it done. Pels eked one out in Charlotte with no Brandon Ingram, no Zion Williamson. And the Pels are interesting right now. Also, no Steven Adams, I should mention. And Wesley Iwundu got ejected, but that didn't really have a bearing on anything. Lonzo Ball is an all-systems go. That's an easy one. And then, because of all the missing bodies, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker coming back from injury, things are really weird. 
with the Pels right now. Eric Bledsoe started, played 33 minutes, and had 24, 4, and 11, but missed five of his 10 foul shots to tank what would have otherwise been arguably his best game of the year, maybe almost definitely his best game of the year. Uh, Jackson Hayes, as the backup center, has been pretty consistently playing better than Willie Hearn and Gomez, but they actually both put up good fantasy numbers in this game against a generally undersized Charlotte Hornets team that was forced to go to Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo, and that's usually not good for Charlotte. So what do you do with Charlotte going forward? That's the question. I, like, I could recap all the scores that happened in this ballgame. The question has to become, what do we do? Well, uh, excuse me, with the Pels, not the, not the Hornets. Who the hell... Who the hell cares about the Hornets right now? They're annoying to... back. They've gone back to being relatively easy and also at the same time a little bit annoying to handicap. Pels are at Memphis tonight. So if you're in a, a league where you're making moves the day before, you've missed your opportunity already. If you can make a move for tonight, I would assume Nikhil Alexander-Walker plays low 20s in minutes again. as he's again, I mean, he's coming back from a pretty long absence, and this is on a back-to-back. Game planning ahead... I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker has a pretty big role their last three games of the year. Mavs go, or Pels, excuse me, go every other day this week, which includes, and this is why it was in my head, a game against the Mavericks. We talked about that already on Wednesday. They've got the Warriors Friday and then the Lakers on the last day of the regular season. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is almost definitely going to be playing huge minutes by the time that game comes around. Who takes the hit in that spot? Well, it's probably Eric Bledsoe, might be Najee Marshall. What about the center position? Steven Adams is out already. Could he come back at some point the rest of the way? It would seem a little bit dumb, although the Pels are only a game and a half back of the Spurs, so they're not mathematically eliminated yet. And honestly, even though the Kings got beat by the Spurs, they also aren't technically mathematically eliminated yet. And these teams could, should, Keep fighting because the Spurs have the Bucks, the Nets, the Knicks, and Phoenix twice this week. The Spurs could very well go 0-5 in a five-game week. I would assume that they'll be fighting against some rested or some resting high-profile opponents. Phoenix will probably sit some guys down in one of those two in the back-to-back. The Nets might sit someone down. That still doesn't mean the Spurs are going to win them. Win them, by the way. Fun trivia question. The name of the uh, horses in Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, I know. Stumbled onto that one. Um, so what do you do with the Pels? That, that's the question. Let's loop it back around. So tonight in the back-to-back, I would play James Johnson. I would play Eric Bledsoe. I would definitely play Lonzo Ball. I would prefer to play Jackson Hayes over Willie Horner and Gomez. But really, I'd play them both at this point. The Grizzlies, again, they want to get up and down the floor. This is going to be a pretty high-paced game. Jonas Valanciunas is on that Memphis side, so uh, Hernan Gomez is going to be in there to get some rebounds. He'll get pushed around, and Jackson Hayes will have to come in to try to play a little defense. And between the two of them, they'll probably have decent games. But of the two, you probably want the one who blocks some shots, and that's Jackson Hayes. If you're just targeting rebounds, Willie Hernan Gomez is your guy. Otherwise, I lean the other way. Charlotte, uh, big 43 for Terry Rozier, who's had one of the best... He is maybe the best fantasy pick of the year. Maybe. We'll do some of that season in review stuff after the, uh, the season is actually concluded. P.J. Washington, yeah, get him going. LaMelo Ball, for sure. Jalen McDaniels has been a massive disappointment. And then everyone else on this team, including Jalen McDaniels, basically played 23 minutes. Zeller, Wanamaker, Biombo, 
Caleb Martin, McDaniels at only 15 minutes, Malik Monk at 22. So screw them all at this point. There's better guys on the wire. Minnesota, uh, I, 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 this is not my area of expertise. Pretty sure that their pick is going to the Warriors. So if you're wondering why they're not in full tank mode, although maybe it's a protection-related thing. Wolves have won six of their last 10 ball games, or 21 and 47. This is a team trying to get some good vibes going into the offseason, and they are right now. Picking on a really bad team, mind you, but this is not a game they win in by 30 points five weeks ago. But the Wolves look good right now. Four of their five starters are worth using in fantasy. Ricky Rubio back in there. He's become useful again. And then Nas Reed, who's just like the ultimate per 36 guy right now, is almost worth using. Problem is that he's only getting 15, 16 minutes a game, and that's a bit of a downer. The Orlando side is, has become a massive mess. Uh, Mo Bamba, I know he didn't have a good ball game here, but he's good enough to go. Mo Wagner, the Moes, give me Mo. Those guys are your starts on Orlando, and that's it, really. RJ Hampton's been playing well, but he's a bad percentages guy. Cole Anthony is a bad percentages guy. Dwayne Bacon doesn't do anything besides score and hit free throws. And that runs the table, really, on anyone that you might have even been looking at. Chicago, Detroit, this is sort of a gimme for the Bulls. They got the Pistons backup backup unit, and then Frank Jackson got hurt, so uh, they had to go pretty deep. Isaiah Stewart, big minutes. Sadiq Bey, big minutes. Killian Hayes, big minutes, although he has it's a really nice game for Killian, 21-7-8. No steals, that was weird. Seven turnovers, that's going to be an issue for him, and I think they probably want to iron some of that out this year. Wanted to, but he missed most of the season, and that may carry over a little bit. Sekou Dumbuya doesn't have much of a fantasy game. The other guy to watch is Sabin Lee, who sort of got jumped or leapfrogged by Frank Jackson in the rotations. But if Jackson misses time with this ankle sprain, then you might actually get some decent games out of Sabin Lee as well. I, I don't know if the Pistons are going to play their veterans at any point the rest of the way. They might. They've sort of popped up here and there, and Detroit only has three games this week, so a lot of days off after last week's five-gamer. So what do you do? What do you do with either of the two teams in this one? Chicago side, Levine, Vooch. Looks like Kobe White built up enough confidence to stick even in category leagues, and then Thad Young. Those are your four guys on the Bulls side. Detroit, anytime Mason Plumlee's out, Isaiah Stewart is a go. That's an easy one. Sadiq Bey's a go every night because he's just chucking up three-pointers at this point. Killian Hayes is... Uh, he's not... I mean, he's a bit questionable in non, I guess, points formats, he's probably okay. And his percentages aren't that bad. There's just things that he doesn't do. There's, there's sort of holes in a nine-category game, and then the turnovers are a mess. I don't think I have the confidence to start him unless maybe I'm punting points or turnovers. Eight-cat, I guess, is a big deal there. And that's as far as you go. Hayes is the maybe. And then Saban Lee is also sort of a temporary maybe while we wait to see what's going on there. But their schedule is so clunky that who cares, really? Lakers beat the Suns. Anthony Davis beginning to resemble Anthony Davis. 42-12-5, three steals, three blocks. Uh, made his free throws in an unbelievable twist compared to the rest of this year. Phoenix just wasn't really engaged for long stretches of this ballgame. Lakers shot 41 free throws because no one could do anything with AD. He just devoured DeAndre Ayton. Not much from a fantasy perspective. KCP has kind of solidified himself as a steals and three-pointers guy. Maybe, and free throw percent actually pretty good for him as well. And then Alex Caruso I would use while Schroeder and LeBron are out, although it sounds like Braun is looking to make his return in the Lakers' next ballgame, hosting the Knicks on Tuesday. 
That'll be a dogfight. Welcome back, Bron. Deal with Tom Thibodeau's defense. Those guys just blasting you with the starters out there for 42 minutes a night. <laughs> what is it, What are the Knicks fighting for right now? I guess they'd love to keep that four seed over the Hawks. I guess they could fall pretty quick. All right. All right. Fair enough. I guess I know where they're fighting still. Uh, Andre Drummond, I, I think we can officially call him a drop. No one's going to want to do it, but it's what you should be doing. They've gone to a three-center rotation. Marcus Gasol and his savvy. Montrez Harrell and his scoring and poor defense. And Andre Drummond and his rebounding and poor defense. <laughs> defense isn't that bad, I guess. Oklahoma City is the embarrassment of the century right now. I mean, they are so bad, it is just gross. They are losing every ball game by, like, it feels like they're pushing triple digits most nights. Look at the Thunder. They had a couple games where they didn't lose by a ton, and that was a, a massive victory for them. They lost this one by, what, 28? 28. They lost their previous one by almost 40. Lost one before that by 20. Then they only lost ones by 4 and 3. Huzzah! They lost the one before that by almost 60 points. 14 points. They had a rare win. Lost by 30, 20. I mean, it is gross right now. They are not close to competing. And with that being the case... You just don't know who's going to get thrown out there on a night-to-night -night basis. So I'm out on all Thunder this year. It's not saying much because there's only a week left, but you get it. De'Aaron Fox sounds like he's relatively close to coming back, which will upset the apple cart a little bit. And this game was such a massive blowout that it's probably not the world's best idea to overanalyze it. Uh, but Delon Wright is locked into a huge role while both point guards are out for the Kings. Marvin Bagley, lower minute, high usage kind of guy, so he fits more of a points league scenario because he's not a good foul shooter and generally doesn't do a ton on the defensive side. Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes, those guys are locked in. Terrence Davis has been another winner with the other point guards out. He's a kind of a bench flamethrower that you can probably throw in there if you need some scoring. And his assists actually haven't been that terrible lately. It's um, it's a little dicey, especially if somebody comes back. He and DeLon Wright probably end up fighting for similar minutes. But his last two ball games, he's had now combined for 42 points on six threes. He's getting steals. The assists kind of come and go a little bit. He's not a terrible foul shooter, around 80%, something in that neck of the woods. So if we find out that Fox is still out, you could throw uh, Terrence Davis in there. They've got OKC again tomorrow, so you know it's going to be a cakewalk. Maybe not a total case. Well, I don't know. Like, usually you'd expect a team playing the same club two times in a row to compete in one of them. And that even that hasn't really been the case for the Thunder. Before we turn the page back to Saturday, I want to remind you guys that the Lawnmower 4.0 is available at manscaped.com right now. Pretty cool, huh? The brand new Lawnmower 4.0. They've taken the 3.0 and they've upgraded it again. They've added a lock mechanism. On the on-off switch for folks that travel a lot, they've added the opportunity to choose when you're using the light or not on it. Still, brilliant pinch-free technology. They've upgraded the look as well. Comes in a really sleek box. They sent me one. It's super cool. So I would check that out immediately. Go to manscaped.com. Get yourself a lawnmower 4.0 using coupon code HOOPBALL20. You guys have been amazing checking out the goodies over at manscaped.com. And I hope you've generally been happy about it. We try not to partner with folks that are weird. I mean, every once in a while, you got to take money from a sponsor that gives you a few hundred bucks and you roll with it and then you don't hear from them again. That's not been the case with Manscaped. You probably noticed that we worked with them now for almost a full calendar year. That's a pretty big deal 
in the podcasting industry. That's a partnership that both sides are enjoying. They take care of our hosts here at HoopBall, and their stuff is just good. And their goofball marketing, I mean, we, we tap dance around it a little bit. You know, we don't do the, all the below-the-belt jokes on this podcast. I like to try to think of this as an extension of my baseball play-by-play career, where we don't go, we don't go particularly lowbrow on the show. And, you know, some people don't, it's not, maybe it's not as funny, I guess. I try to be a little bit weird, but it's usually not with that. So go to manscaped.com, check out our buddies over there. They've been amazing, been wonderful to work with for almost a year now. The Lawnmower 4.0, 20% off free shipping with coupon code HOOPBALL20. 20% off free shipping. The coupon code, if I could remember how to speak, is HOOPBALL20. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Go do it now. Manscaped.com. Looking back at Saturday, Detroit, they had they did play their guys on Saturday, but they only played them for half the ball game. Got whipped by the Philadelphia 76ers. We're missing Ben Simmons and Seth Curry for this ball game, and they might sit a few guys down the stretch. The Sixers are very much in the driver's seat in the Eastern Conference. The three games up on the Nets with just this last week to go. Philly, uh, they've got Indiana, Miami, Orlando twice, so they know they'll win at least one of those games in Orlando, most likely both, or with Orlando, I should say. So they can rotate through rest guys this year. I would stay on top of the Sixers injury report. Problem is that Doc Rivers doesn't usually like to give that stuff away early, so, uh, you know, their game in Indiana tomorrow, we might not know until 35 minutes before game time if they're just going to sit Joel Embiid, in which case you could fire up a Dwight Howard, who had 19-14 and 14 in that game against Detroit. Or will they sit Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris in an upcoming game, and then you could fire Matisse Thybulle into your lineup? Not enough time to make that decision, unfortunately, so you just kind of have to bear with it. Washington beat Indiana in overtime, but at what cost? Bradley Beal uh, hurt his hamstring going for 50 in that ballgame. He's out for at least the next two games in a row, which is not that huge of a deal because the Wizards are currently the nine seed, a half game up on the Pacers, but they are three games up on the Bulls. So provided Washington doesn't go into a complete tailspin here, they've got Atlanta twice, on the road, Beal's missing both of those games. Then they come back home to host a tanking Cavs team and then a Hornets team that, eh, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen on that last day, would also have to combine with the Bulls winning all of their remaining games. Brooklyn, Toronto, Brooklyn again, and Milwaukee. Good luck to you, Chicago. So I don't think the Wizards are all that worried about falling out. I think the issue they're staring down is maybe losing home court in the first half of their play-in tournament. And they're going to need Beal for those, so they got to go a little bit gentle with him here. Now, if Brad sits out these two ballgames, which he will, what is that going to do? Well, Russell Westbrook already is in the 30s in usage, so that can only go up so much more. You're probably looking at someone like a Chandler Hutchinson moving into the starting lineup, but that he's not a guy that's going to pick up a ton of the usage there. You'll probably see a guy that's already playing do more. Rui Hachimura will see more shots. Aul Neto will see more shots. And I might even consider grabbing Neto. He has issues. He has very large issues with his fantasy game. But a lot of them are related to the fact that he doesn't like to do much when he's on the floor, outside of just kind of playing and facilitating. Dude averages 21 and a half minutes a game, only takes seven shots in those 21 minutes a game. That's a number that's going to have to go up. He's an 88% foul shooter on the year, so if you need free throw percent, he would be a good fill-in for these two contests. 
Uh, he'll probably average more like five or six assists because Russ can't play the whole damn game and they can't stagger people. Uh, but the Wizards go tonight, so you may have already missed your chance to do that. And then they go again on Wednesday, and people will probably see what happens tonight and make their adjustments anyway. So you might be screwed on that one. Uh, over on the Indiana side, Demonis Sabonis, he's been amazing as sort of the lone, well, he and Karis LeVert, sort of the, oh, the only two reasonably decent basketball players left on that. I mean, everybody else is, then is their weird role. Justin holiday defense and threes. That's his role. He's not going to take over a ball game. TJ McConnell has seemed almost out of sorts on a team that needs scoring. And that's not kind of his thing. Doug McDermott should be in better shape, but the only thing that Indiana has left are just a crap ton of wings and then almost no one else. Goga Batadze, three more blocks in his 16 minutes, and he can do that. He averaged about a block every nine minutes on the floor. So if you need those, there's your guy. Otherwise, you're going Sabonis, Lavert, and then once Brogdon comes back, he'd be your third guy, but things are pretty jammed up otherwise. Uh, we talked, no, we didn't talk Memphis already. Uh, good to see DeAnthony Melton do something with his 19 minutes. Still just floors me that they can't give him more than 19 minutes, but here we are. It's not changing now, the last week of the year. Jerry Jackson Jr., when he's, uh, when he's in, he's a go. Ja, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, he really hasn't been a nine-category guy this year. Slow-mo, much better when JJJ is out, but just barely hanging on when he's in. And then you've got all these kind of fringy guys. Dylan Brooks, who plays a lot of minutes, but who's much more suited for points leagues. Melton, who's much more suited for category leagues, but doesn't play all that much. And then Bain, Clark, Jones, Conchar, sometimes Xavier Tillman. Those guys are out. Even, by the way, with a five-game week, I'm not sure those guys quite make the cut. Uh, I guess you could probably throw Bain Bain and Brooks, you can throw in there in a in a in their five game week, and, and maybe even Clark. Ugh, hurts me though. Toronto, they deserve a moment here of our attention because they're now eliminated, so things can get a little goofy. And we saw the start of it here. Uh, no Freddie Van Vliet, no Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam played this ball game, but left with a shoulder injury, and I don't know what the plan was there. He might have been getting shut down in the next game anyway. So that leaves Kem Birch as the likely starting center, Gary Trent Jr. as the likely starting shooting guard, Malachi Flynn as your likely starting point guard, and those guys, to me, are definite starts. What we don't really know is who's going to be the starting small forward and who's going to be the starting power forward on a night-to-night basis. We've seen Yuta Watanabe get intermittent starts and playing time. His fantasy game is not all that great, so I'm not racing out to pick up Watanabe. Uh... As far as power forward goes, I'm guessing it'll be Stanley Johnson, maybe DeAndre Bembry. Bembry is very good at steals, but if you've been following this podcast all season long, you're probably at the top of your league in steals anyway, which brings us back to probably just three main guys. Trent, who's going to take 25 shots a game at this point. He's going to do what Terrence, what we thought Terrence Ross was going to do in Orlando. He'll just do it. Trent will do it in Toronto. Uh, Birch and Flynn. We talked Thunder already. Warriors are kind of interesting. Juan Toscano-Anderson has really carved himself a nice bench role on this team. He's kind of a versatile, do-everything type. And he's seemingly jacked that role from Kent Bazemore, who we thought might be that guy. Bazemore's losing playing time to Jordan Poole and Michael Mulder. So the hell with all three of those guys in terms of nine-cat stuff. 
I'd rather go Awantos Gano Anderson, who's shown the ability to rebound, pass, steal, block, hit threes, and do it on an okay percent. He's been pretty good, uh, provided we don't get word that anybody is coming back. One of the other interesting notes on the Warriors, uh, Damian Lee, I believe, uh, talked about the fact that he actually got vaccinated, and then he got one of those very rare breakthrough cases of COVID, which sucks, man. He said it was still like getting a really awful flu, but he's getting back there. He's he's coming around and kind of derailed. Was it? Did I get that right? Was it Damian Lee, or was it one someone else? Uh, yeah, it was it was Damian Lee. So that sucks. I mean, and that'll happen from every once in a while. You know, vaccine is. 90 to 95% effective. The Johnson & Johnson one a little bit less than that. So these will pop up from time to time. Uh, one of the, Especially now that restrictions are sort of coming down around the NBA, around the world, or around the, the country, not the world so much, uh, you're going to have more exposures to other people. So then these breakthrough cases will pop up. I do think also there's some of a, I, I'm betting that Lee was probably taking some heat in a way that maybe like a Zach Levine, although not quite the same thing, because Levine's the best player on his team, and Damian Lee's like the sixth best player on his. But there was probably some heat coming down, like, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, why didn't you protect yourself? And he was like, I did, and I just got super unlucky. So, well, hopefully he'll be okay. Seems like he will be in time. And in the meantime, uh, as long as Kelly Oubre's out, and Kent Bazemore is kind of on and off a little bit, then, yeah, Toscano Anderson seems like a pretty good use Warriors go back-to-back today and tomorrow. Cool, cool, cool. I don't care much about Utah, although uh, George Nyong did get the start for the Jazz, and that was, I guess, interesting. He only shoots threes. He does nothing else on a basketball court, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. I've really enjoyed Royce O'Neal's play with no Conley and no Donovan Mitchell. Just giving him that little slice of usage that he doesn't get when those two dudes are on the floor has been a, a, a world of difference for getting his scoring up from like 7 a game to, you know, 9, 11, something, 12, 13 in this ballgame. I guess that's something, just worth reviewing a little bit. Houston side, certainly the more interesting one. Uh, Karai Thomas was signed and then immediately played a whole bunch of basketball. He had 27, 5, and 3 with 5 steals, 2 blocks, 4 three-pointers in this ballgame. K.J. Martin had 27 and 10 with four threes and a couple of steals. Daquan Jeffries had 17, 7, and 5 with a couple of steals. Armani Brooks had 15, 2, and 3, a steal block and three three-pointers. Daniel House had 9 in 18 minutes. He won't play very much, though. They'll go easy on him. T.J. Augustine is also sort of the emergency valve. Jay Shantae, 13, 8, and 10. His bad shooting is what weighed down what was almost a triple-double. And then Anthony Lamb was sort of the one who guy who didn't have a good ball game. What do we do with all of this? How do we unpack it? Well, Houston's got a game in Portland tonight. Lakers Wednesday, Clippers Friday, Atlanta on Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if Christian Wood missed the rest of the regular season. There's no reason to rush him back, and there really isn't anybody else on the horizon for Houston, although I think they did sign some kid out of Australia this morning. I don't know if he's actually joining the team or not. That happened right before going on air, and I wasn't about to delay the podcast to find out whether or not the Rockets were going to have the dude that they just signed. Uh... Tate, you can use for sure. That's an easy one. K.J. Martin is also an easy one in the short term. I, I mean, we don't really know anything about Thomas. We don't really know anything about Thomas Jeffries or Brooks. I guess we've seen enough of Armani Brooks to know that if he plays 30 minutes, he's probably going to get you a few three-pointers. Usually, actually rebounded a little bit better than he did in this ball game. But now this pecking order in Houston is just all over the map. I have no idea who's going to be going first, second, or third out of that 
that trio, really, or, or quartet, if you want to include Lamb in it, they all played almost the same amount of time. Lamb, 32 minutes. Brooks, 33. Thomas, 34. Jeffries, 36. Is that how it's going to break down every game? I don't know. Is Thomas going to run out of gas here soon? Probably. But can he make it a week? Maybe. I don't know. His usage was the highest on the whole team. So with that in mind, he's a guy who's probably trying to play himself into a contract. I guess you, you probably take a flyer on Thomas. Add him to the bucket. Jeffries, if he gets another start, probably leave him out there. Brooks, I think I'd feel okay about. I mean, probably just try to duplicate what you got from this ballgame. I will warn everybody, though. It's not going to be this this every single time. They took 98 shots, only had eight turnovers. So they actually took relatively decent care of the basketball. And, you know, by all accounts, got a Jazz team that wasn't taking them seriously at all. And that might happen from time to time here. That might happen the rest of the way. If you want the safe ones, it's Tate and KJ Mart. If you want to go a little, one step further, I think I'd go Thomas. And if you want to go a step even beyond that, then you got Jeffries and Brooks. Brooklyn, big comeback win over Denver. Blake Griffin is actually worth using in 9-cat right now. I know, it's nuts. I'd use him over Joe Harris, who probably deserves a benching at this point because he's moved way down in the usage totem pole. The Denver side is actually more interesting because with Brooklyn, you're just sort of eliminating people that you might consider throwing into a fantasy lineup. With Denver, we're trying to figure out who we might be able to add back in. Jokic, Porter Jr., Campazzo, those guys are easy right now. Those guys are all putting up big numbers every night. The fourth guy is the one we've been hunting. Paul Millsap got the start in their previous game. He didn't play in this one, uh, injury management. Michael Green did and played 32 minutes. And if we find out that Green is starting again, he's definitely the go. Austin Rivers played 35 minutes, and he's actually been shooting the ball really well for the Nuggets. And yes, you know these guys have, by the way, uh, no Aaron Gordon in this ballgame either. So take that into consideration. It, you know, it, Were they going to go big? We don't know. Were they going to go small? We don't know. Uh, normally, Gordon would be in there for one of Green or Rivers, and Millsap would be in for the other of Green or Rivers. So going forward, we don't really know. But when we get the starting lineup for the Nuggets, then you can make your adjustment. If you find out it's going to be Gordon and Rivers, I don't think I'm touching either of those guys. If you find out it's going to be Gordon and Millsap, I might consider Millsap. And if you found out it was going to be Gordon and Green, I probably would be in on Jamichael Green. He's like the one guy where you're like, hey, this guy's going to get, I, I can promise you, Dan, this guy's going to get 25 minutes. I would feel comfortable throwing him into a lineup. He's Paul Millsap, younger, rebounds better. Basically. So he's out there with a motor. It's Millsap with a motor right now. Spurs are a mess. They're gross. They're losing games left and right. Blazers are a pretty easy handicap these days, so not much to talk about from that last game on Saturday night. And as we finally turn the page all the way back to Friday and play our little weekly Monday game of, did we miss anyone that played on Friday but not the rest of the weekend? And the answer is... Beep, boop, beep. Uh, Milwaukee, I believe, didn't play over the weekend. So that was one, and nobody cared because everybody was healthy for them in that game on Friday, and uh, that means that this five starters had a fantasy angle, and sometimes Bobby Portis gets to do stuff. That's the only note on Milwaukee. And as we, again, compute, computing, computing, did anybody else play on Friday? They didn't go over the weekend? Beep, boop, beep. Nope, that was it. 
So then we we flip around to a relatively short Monday card. Washington is at Atlanta. We've already talked about all of these teams. So all you're really looking for is, do you want to dive in on the whole Neto stuff? Oh, the Hawks. Were the Hawks another team we didn't talk about? Hey, there you go. Dan, you, there were two. You idiot. Hawks actually didn't play for three days in a row. They didn't go Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You got all the way back to Thursday to get Atlanta's loss at Indiana. Uh, but they're not a super interesting fantasy team. The only one on that club that's sort of fringy that I've been kind of pushing has been Gallo because I think there is something to be said for scoring threes and, and a really robust free throw percent right now. Everybody takes it for granted. But if you get Gallo into a lineup for a week and, you know, let's say he plays, maybe he plays all four. I don't know. Maybe they rest him in their back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday. But if he plays all four games, he could very easily go like, 26 of 27 at the free throw line. He could win you a category, which a lot of guys can't do. At least not many guys that aren't top tier type dudes. So what are we looking for tonight? Really, if anything, uh, what are we waiting for on the injury front? Not much. Is anybody coming back for Indiana? We already know everybody's pretty much out for Cleveland. We already know pretty much everybody's out for the Pelicans. Is anybody resting for Milwaukee? Could we fire up a Bobby Portis short-term kind of thing? Bucks are currently a half game back of the Nets for the two-seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if they care. They're not falling to four. They're five and a half up, up on the Knicks, so that's not happening. Do they care about the two or the three? Maybe they're thinking about playing the Nets in the second round. They'd prefer to be at home in the road. Bucks have actually been... In, not that dissimilar home from road this year. Nets have been a lot better at home, so maybe there's the, hey, let's make this team play on the road kind of thing. I don't know. I don't think they care. I think the Bucks are going to start resting some guys, so I would keep an eye out on Bobby Portis this week. He's the, I can't wait for someone to sit dude on that bench. Spurs, gross. Jazz, nothing. Warriors, we just talked about. Houston, they'll be interesting. Portland, nothing. But Houston, we just spent five minutes on in our review segment. So there just really isn't anything else there. Folks, please do spend a moment dropping a five-star review on the podcast before the offseason hits. And please do continue to listen to our stuff throughout this upcoming offseason. I will be forever grateful on both accounts. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Good luck this week if you're still playing head-to-head. Good luck this week if you're in Roto as we wrap things up. The countdown is on. Tomorrow... Six days left. That's our Tuesday show coming up right around the corner. Have a great Monday, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.